Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amit Mian. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And today, I kind of wanted to bring up a topic that has been weighing on me. It's the discovery of a new genre or discovery of a new kind of game that sort of broadens your horizons. I realize that's kind of an abstract concept, but recently I have been playing, and I guess this is one of the games I've been playing that I'll get to at the end of the show, but I've been playing Disco Elysium. And I recently learned that that game is a CRPG or computer RPG. And quite frankly, I didn't even know this genre existed uh, prior to playing this game. So I just kind of wanted to bring up like video gaming is such a vast medium with so many genres, right? And like whenever someone tells me like, oh, I don't like video games. Well, I tell them, no, that's not true. Like there's, just that's like saying you don't like TV shows or books, you know, like there might be certain kinds of TV shows or books or movies that you don't like, but I'm sure there is a video game for everyone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring up like, have you guys gone through this process? Like we've all been gaming since we were little, right? So it's just amazing to me that, that like I'm 27 years old now and I just discovered a new genre of gaming that I had never uh, been privy to before. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I discovered a new genre, but you kind of saw me, like, acknowledging that I like some JRPGs uh, a couple months ago on the podcast with Dragon Quest Eleven, and I went back and played some of the older ones and had a good time. And, yeah, uh, but you, you had prior exper- experience I had, with JRPGs, I had right? strictly negative prior experience, yes. <laughs> like, I knew the well, genre existed, yeah. but... yeah. And I, I, I guess genre might be a little too broad. Like, even individual games that sort of give you a new perspective on something you know, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, because, like, there are games that, like, redefine a genre. And I could say, like, yeah, I mean, those I've played, and those are amazing. But, like, I played them when they came out, so I wouldn't say that I discovered something to experience, you know? Like, you may have with CRPGs yeah. just now. <clears throat> and, like, I, I, I definitely make a concerted effort to try things that I've never tried before, at least when it comes to video games, right? Like I'm not much of a fighting game fan, but I like, I tried to use Dragon Ball fighters as my gateway into fighting games. Cause I'm, I love Dragon Ball, yeah. but at the end of the day, I just, you know, I figured out that fighting games, you know, aside from smash really aren't for me. Like I, I definitely don't think I'm hardcore enough to like go into training and grind out combos to get to the point where I'm good enough to really enjoy myself in those games beyond like the very surface level. And that's okay. You know, like at least I, you know, put forth the effort to learn that about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I also, you brought up this topic and I was trying to think of stuff for it for myself, but like, I really do give basically every genre a shot you know have either of you guys ever played crpgs in the past uh i have i mean give me a give me a rundown of what a crpg like what is a crpg what are some examples of them so disco elysium is one i know divinity original sin 2 is another and i know Baldur's gate is one i think yeah the Knight, knights of the old republic no th- not knights of the old republic okay maybe I'm uh, yeah and knights of the old republic is more of a wrpg isn't it yeah, it's okay. I, I classify them under Bioware RPGs. CRPGs are typically uh, typically top-down, like Wasteland. Or... Yeah. So, yeah, th- it was, like, top-down. I don't know if isometric is the right Isom- word. Isometric is yeah. the right word. But <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of mechanical overlap between a CRPG and a, a pure roguelike. Like, 
Not not like the Binding of Isaac, not like Spelunky, but like Rogue well, or NetHack. Yeah, so I like, guess this 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 is a kind of interesting conversation because my my experience to this genre is limited to one game, so I probably have a very narrow perspective. But at least where Disco Elysium is concerned, like it was interesting to me because like on paper it did not seem like a game I would enjoy. Like there are basically no mechanics in the game. The mechanics are basically walking around and talking to people. And I don't know if like I don't think that's what all CRPGs are, but that's the one I, I played, right? But, like, I think one characteristic of the CRPG is, like, the multiple lines of dialogue in a way you can, like, respond to a character talking to you. Basically, like, you know, like a tabletop game, right? Like, uh, there are, like, these uh, checks for all sorts of things, like, for combat and for dialogue and stuff like that. And... Typically, your dialogue is laid out in lines. Like, maybe, like, someone says something to you, and you can pick a, one of, like, five or six responses. And, oh, like, like OG Fallout. Like, yeah, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. Fallout 1 and 2, yeah. Yeah. So I think those are characteristics of CRPGs, but again, I can't be too sure, because I've only played one of them. Yeah, I, I don't think I've had a genre that's really surprised me that I'd like, because I don't really hate any genres. I mean, I'm the kind of person that plays really, really obscure German simulator games. That's true. I mean, it's pretty rare that I like a racing game, but I really liked Burnout Paradise. Yeah, and I know like racing games, like in and of itself, can be divided into several genres. And I think the only one I really have experience with is like kart racing. You know, like yeah. Mario Kart and stuff. I, I don't mind kart and arcade racers. So. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, I don't know, the simulator ones, I think I've tried them in the past, and they didn't really click with me too much, but... Just go drive. <laughs> yeah, just, just go outside just go drive. and drive. I mean, I guess a car is a lot more expensive than a gaming PC and a simulator, but it's also less practical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the appeal anyone... of those games is, like, driving really nice cars in crazy venues, right? Or trucking. Yeah. Well, I feel like truck, it, like if trucking is a thing you really want to do, I feel like that's not a... I mean, truck truck simulator is a thing, right? That's a game. Yeah, yeah but that's not the loftiest aspiration if you want to just actually do it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not nothing against truckers. I'm just thinking, like, yeah. I feel like most people, if they really wanted to become a trucker, could probably do it. I don't know. I feel like there is, like, a sort of mundane curiosity of, like, doing boring things in video games that make it fun. You know, like, Oh, for sure. Microsoft Flight Simulator for me. Yeah. For sure. But uh, flying a plane is somewhat out of my reach. Yeah, I mean, like, games like Farming Simulator exist, and, like, there's so many farming games, as a matter of fact, but it's, and it's so weird that, like, something like that would be so appealing, you know? Yeah. Like, but it is. Yeah, so many I think, uh, farming games. Stardew Valley's probably another pretty big jump outside of genres that I typically like, because I don't love most Harvest Moon games. I, I played one as a kid and liked it, but uh, any of the newer ones I've hated... But uh, Stardew Valley caught me real hard. Well, but I think I mean at some Stardew point Stardew Valley. Yeah, I mean like it's, it's, it's more class. than just yeah. in, it's more than just farming, right? Like there's farming that's part of it, but like it's more about like you the know relationships, the, the yeah, town. the talking yeah. to the townspeople and like finding cool things to do there and just sort of discovering that world. Yeah, I'm having trouble thinking because I I play such a broad. I mean, I, actually, the last time this really happened to me, I don't like competitive games too much. Yeah, but uh, Rocket League, I expected to hate it when it first came out. I uh, I remember seeing it and thinking it was like the stupidest flavor of the flavor of the week type deal. 
because uh, it was uh, free on PlayStation Plus or something, and everybody had it and was playing it. And I went over to a friend's house and instantly fell in love and bought it the same day. Yeah, Rocket League. I, I, yeah, those kind of games are definitely rare, right? Like the ones that seem like they're just like video game the game, but yeah. end up being really, really good and having staying power. Yeah, well, like you know, I mean, there are a million times I'd have told you that about Fortnite too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, the, what's the new one from EA that we all just that's destroyed? Game. Yeah, like, yeah, the dodgeball one. Yeah, yeah, that's that not just, gonna light the world on fire, though. Yeah, and they're really trying. Like, I see you, like, YouTubers being like paid to play the game and stuff oh, like yeah. that. It's, yeah. it's really funny. That's EA. It's just wild it. to me, you know, like <clears throat> games like that. You know, like you have a huge company like EA backing it, right? And like throwing God knows how many dollars at popular celebrity youtubers to play this game whereas like a tiny game like among us just by virtue of being like really fun and uh just has the quality of catching on and know, sticking around for a couple of years to be noticed exactly yeah something like among us advertises itself yeah i'm looking through my steam library and i don't yeah. see anything that really yeah. Needs your, uh... yeah i'm sorry yeah i that this might be a sort of like obscure topic but i Disco Elysium just made such a strong impression on me, man. Like, yeah, I've I heard just, insanely <laughs> good things about it. Yeah. This game came out, okay, I, it came out in 2019, and they just released the final cut, mm. which is, you know, the version that came out in 2021. And if I had played this game in 2019 when it came out, it would have easily been my game of the year that year. Mm. Easily. Oh, no, you're forgetting Outer Wilds came out that year. Okay, I haven't played Outer Wilds yet, so... <laughs> But I've heard, actually, no, like, I've heard in a couple of It was of a big toss-up that year between Disco Elysium and Outer Wilds, between a lot of people. And I've heard a lot of people compare the two games, in yeah. a sense. So that's that e- even more fuel in the fire for me eventually playing Outer Wilds. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I, I, I intend to play Disco Elysium. It's been on my radar for a while. I, it, I can say so with 100% like, confidence it will not compete with Outer Wilds for me. Uh, yeah, so, Connor, I don't know about just knowing your kind of preference in games this is a game where you walk around and talk to people and yeah. click on things right like there's no mechanics i mean i'm a big connoisseur of the walking simulator i love uh uh i played gone home uh early in its lifetime i played uh firewatch loved what what remains of edith finch uh outer yeah. wilds could yeah, almost this game, be called a walking simulator yeah, but there's, this there's a little game, more to it yeah it's different this game isn't like any of those games but it's it, it's similar in the aspects i guess of walking simulator but i don't want to call it that because there's i don't know there's like more of an exploratory nature to this game i'll get it i'll get into it a little bit more at the end and i i'll be very careful to not spoil I mean, anything I, i'm also really big into and pardon my french but art house indie shit yeah yeah there's <laughs> That that definitely is a genre in and of itself. And I'm pretty sure Disco Elysium fits into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. You know, actually, there is a genre I don't like. Walking simulators. I just can't. Really? I love them. I, I can't play with walking. It, I need engaging mechanics that's not... I, I respect that opinion, but uh, I, I feel like some walking simulators really great on me, but I feel like the majority of the ones I played, I've been into... But I, I can understand the perspective from a strictly mechanics-based st- standpoint because there are no mechanics, and if that's the reason you play video games, then you're kind of out of luck there. There's know? also a lot of pretty bad walking simulators out there because, like, as far as like genre difficulty for a game to develop, walking simulator is pretty low. 
Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, if you can get the 3D models I mean, and the voice walk, acting. Walking simulators are, I think, live and die by how good, like... It's, the, it's purely writing. Yeah, the writing is, absolutely. And the writing in Disco Elysium is some of the best I've ever seen. Like, yeah. in a video game or otherwise, you know, so... I think that's partially why it's it made such a strong impression on me. Yeah, the only walking simulator I think I've really played to completion was Dear Esther, and it left such a sour taste in my mouth that I never want to try the genre ever again. I liked Dear Esther. It to me, it just radiated like pretentiousness. Oh it yeah, felt like the game itself <laughs> oh, yeah. was trying to like be like, look how cool I am when you're crawling along like. Was Dear Esther a paid game or was it free? It was a paid game. Yeah, it shouldn't have been. If that game came out tomorrow, it would be free to play. Like, yeah, yeah that, no that game way. did not have enough going on to be worth any more than like five dollars. I would say that. I think I got it for free. I think it was in a humble indie bundle or something. Yeah, so not free. That's where I got mine. You know, there was another game in that bundle I wanted. Okay, so uh, yeah, I I don't want to belabor this point if we don't have many examples, and I'll I'll circle back to Disco Elysium at the end. There's another kind of piece of news I wanted to highlight. So I guess a little preamble, like there's no this is no secret to everyone. I love Sony. I love Sony games. I love their first party games. They're my favorite games. Okay, that out of the way, Sony lately it seems to me is making so many wrong decisions. It just makes me kind of hang my head and like hope for things to get better you know like just this is coming from a sony fan like it feels like microsoft's making all the right decisions and sony's making all the wrong decisions and maybe this would be better if it didn't all happen at once all this news you know the news of the vita store shut down the ps3 store shut down and now the news that they have naughty dog working on a last of us remake okay so the the Last of Us is one of my favorite games. It's an excellent game. It's one of PS3's best games. It does not need to be remade at all. It came out in 2013. It hasn't even been 10 years. And you're telling and it's me it's already been remastered. And you're telling me Sony is is sending their best first party developer to work on a remake. Like what is going on at Sony? Please. What's the company name again? Uh Naughty Dog. No, who was who did Days Gone? Uh, ben Studio. Oh, Ben Studio, yeah. Ben Studio, okay. So Ben Studio was originally so the story goes, Ben Studio was working on a Days Gone or was going to pitch a Days Gone sequel. Sony wasn't really thrilled with the idea, which you know is unfortunate. I know Days Gone has like a, I guess a cult following, but it wasn't like too warmly received when it came out. I know they like it's really so boring. They really worked hard like patched patching it up and making improvements, but I guess it wasn't enough in Sony's eyes. And then they, <clears throat> then I guess uh, the developers there were going to work on an Uncharted spinoff, which you know, okay, that's that's kind of cool. I love Uncharted, but a Naughty Dog less Uncharted is kind of questionable to me, but we'll see. But then apparently that didn't go over too well. Like they weren't making good progress on that or something. I don't know. I'd have to double check the story to get full details. But long story short, now they're sort of backing Naughty Dog up and helping them, supporting them. In making a Last of Us remake, which, yeah, don't get me wrong, like, I know, like, The Last of Us is sold extremely well, was received critically extremely well, but at the same time, this rings in me of, like, executives making this decision just based on those two factors and not, like, they don't really have the pulse on what people who play video games want, you know, like, 
I feel like I mean maybe... it kind of reeks of a um. Well, who's the who's the CEO again? The guy uh. Jim Ryan. Yeah, he said so J- Jim uh, he Ryan's. Kinda... Well, Jim Ryan's like president of Sony Interactive Entertainment, right? I think, and I think Herman Holst is. Uh, the Sony games division leader now, the previous guy, head of Guerrilla Games who uh, helmed Horizon Zero Dawn. He's he's the big guy at Sony now. It just reeks of them thinking like thinking nobody wants to play an old game and thinking their cash cow is about to be outdated. Like it it, it really just doesn't like doesn't, I tried to rationalize yeah. it and I, I guess maybe because the HBO series is coming out. Oh my god, really? I what what other reason could you think of? I didn't know like, there was an HBO series. Oh yeah. <clears throat> they're doing an HBO series for the last of us and they're pouring tons of money into it. It's going to be a huge, big budget thing. Yeah. Um, but like, I guess that's the only reason I can think of. Like maybe you want to time up the release of the remake with, the I just show, don't but, understand like, why they put any effort into a remake instead of just like reboxing the PS4 version. Like, yeah. That uh, because I, I, I wouldn't I, have noticed. Yeah, like the P- that that version like works fine. Like Isn't there's it like no 1080p 60fps. Like it, it's 4K. Just, yeah. It's 4K 60fps. Yeah. So what are they even gonna do to it? <laughs> and like, what PS4? No. Yes, Plus, for PS4 no, Pro, it, it what? Well, oh, no, no, no. Yes. No, no, no. Sorry, I I misspoke. It's 4K 30fps or like I think 1440p 60 or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, pop it on the PS5, bump it up to 4K 60. Why do you need two studios for that? Like. It, it it just reeks to me of like a of mismanaging your talent, right? Like I feel yeah. like Naughty Dog should be working on a new IP or mm-hmm. maybe a new entry into one of their existing IPs, but like not a remake of a game that's less than ten years old. You know, like it's it's frustrating as a Sony fan seeing these decisions yeah. get made because it's a weird choice. It, it it's an odd choice, but like and maybe in the grand scheme of things, this is nothing, and I'm freaking out for no reason, but like. With these decisions back to back to back to back to back all coming out in a sequence like this, it really sort of reeks of, like, Sony moving in the wrong direction. Now, now don't get me wrong, right? Like, the games industry is very momentum-based, barring a few exceptions, right? Like, Sony is coming off of a lot of forward momentum from the PS4 era, and I think that's carrying them right now. But, like, these decisions, these, in my mind, poor decisions add up right like and eventually like it's not going to happen tomorrow but this is slowly going to slow down their momentum and maybe even send them the other way meanwhile microsoft sort of the opposite effect right like they were kind of in a low place in the early like 2010s phil spencer made of tons of positive decisions for the company like huge you know bombshell announcement after bombshell announcement you know game pass acquisitions like all these pro gamer moves and now Xbox is really sort of positive in the public consciousness where it really was like at the very other end of the spectrum 10 years ago. Like it's yeah. amazing how the public perspe- per- perception of Microsoft has changed in 10 years, which gets me to the point of like maybe, you know, these decisions aren't going to cost Sony now, but like 10 years from now, like maybe they're going to be where Microsoft was 10 years ago. I don't know. Yeah, These it's hard the to say because Sony's never lost before. They've never, they've never even really fallen behind. Like that's true, the, but like the I, PS3 I, launch was a blunder. But I worry. I don't know. Like I just worry that this decision just seems especially tone deaf to me. Like why yeah, are I you just, getting I, Naughty I Dog, Naughty Dog of all people, to work on a remake? You know? Yeah, they just seem too big to fail at this point. Like 
the idea of Sony actually suffering for their poor decisions seems extremely unlikely to me. I don't know. Like, you know, I follow this industry long enough to to sort of understand that, like, no one's truly safe, I feel like. Eventually, yeah, what I'm getting at is, like, I truly feel everyone can mess up. Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, there's no guarantee for any of them. Like, I really feel like any of them can mess up. And that's yeah. part of what makes, like, following, like, the ups and downs of this industry so exciting. Like, Nintendo, we thought, was, like, going extinct with the Wii U. And then the very next generation, they come back with one of their best consoles ever, you know? I never thought Nintendo was going extinct. I thought there, they had... Okay, so let me rephrase that. There Nintendo were, there could go were, 70 there years some, without making a profit and still have money to spare. There were serious, I mean, not talks, but, like, people were conjecturing that Nintendo would go third party after Wii yeah, U. Yeah, I never thought that that was a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would just be weird seeing Mario on Xbox, you know, like... Yeah. But it wouldn't be so weird seeing Xbox on Nintendo, which is probably going to happen here, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I honest. think that's very soon. I think at the very least we're going to get uh, the Xbox Online uh, streaming, the Game Pass stuff, xCloud, whatever. I mean, I, I will go as far as to say I think we'll see Game Pass on Switch. Maybe. That'd be nice. Yeah. God, they, they, there's so much, though, that that would have to have to be any good that Nintendo cannot deliver on. Like, I, I mean, I think Microsoft will provide the cloud infrastructure. Nintendo yeah. Have to, yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is if I can't do cross-saves between my PC and my Switch, then Game Pass might as well not be on Switch. Like mm, that, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that might be tricky. Yeah, I could see them not yeah. doing that. Nintendo would never do that. Never. Nintendo barely does save transfer between two Switches. It's like a huge pain. Yeah, that just thinking, you know, it's funny. Like, I know the the Nintendo Switch Pro or whatever it's going to be called is coming out pretty imminently, and it's just kind of stressing me out thinking of how I'm going to transfer my stuff to that console. You know? Yeah. Because like I know it's not going to be remotely intuitive. No, I mean I I uh, I, one of the I mean I'd have been upset about it if I didn't end up root uh hacking my 3ds and just downloading them myself. But I, I had an Ambassador 3DS. I bought a 3DS, like, yeah. day one. And uh, I bought a new 3DS XL when they came out uh, because Nintendo lied to America and said, we will never release a normal-sized new 3DS in the States. Uh, they did it about, uh, I think, less than a year later. They released a normal-sized new 3DS. Uh, and I think XL consoles are terrible. I think it, taking a, a screen's resolution and just blowing it up to be bigger, like, just drive a nail into my eye please like that is the worst thing you could possibly do i mean i think that's what they're doing with the new switch right the bigger screen is a 720p screen yeah and, and i will not if if that's the case I, it'll never leave a dock because that's just yeah. the worst yeah the switch screen cannot be any bigger and still look as good as it does it's not possible <laughs> and uh anyway um i tried to transfer my stuff over to my new 3ds xl and uh my uh not only did my Ambassador games not transfer, they were just gone. They weren't on the old one anymore either. They just never got them back. Oh, contacted, no. contacted a Nintendo several times about it. Just totally That's lost the them. Worst. And none of those games, I think maybe one or two of them, but the vast majority of those games were never made available on 3DS again. God, that just... So, that's yeah, that was like Yoshi's Island, Metroid Fusion, uh, just a bunch of Game Boy Advance games, and I think a couple Game Boy Color games just gone into the ether. Because Nintendo doesn't know how to make a transfer program. Something as simple, you know, something that in my mind should be as simple as copying and pasting files. And I like hooked, when I was hacking my 3DS, I like hooked it up to my computer and stuff and was looking at it. 
and the files were all there. The games were all taking up space on my 3DS. They were just t- completely inaccessible. Well, so I couldn't delete them either. <laughs> that's That sounds like Nintendo to me. Yep. Yeah. Totally incompetent when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah, 20 years I, behind everyone else, at least. Yeah, I mean, like, Nintendo is the one company, and we talked about this, I think, last episode, but, like, I think forward compatibility is going to be a thing, despite Sony's recent moves uh, with the PS3. I think, you know, especially with the x86 architecture being standardized with within consoles. The only caveat, like, I know, I, I believe it'll be a thing for Sony and Microsoft, not for Nintendo. <laughs> because of the cartridges that are a different yeah, shape. Yeah, there's, time, once, you know? once the next console comes out and they leave the Switch, that's it. And I, yeah, and I you're know gonna that they are going to have to build your like, library from scratch again. And they're not going to, yeah, there's not going to be any, like, transfer of downloadable games or anything. There's no you way. You wishful thinking, maybe one generation forward, they will support Switch. Because Nintendo, there's precedent for that, right? But yeah, they have a precedent for that. We yeah, the, supported the DS, GameCube, yeah. Wii U supported Wii, uh, yeah, they they have a press. 3DS supported for, DS, DS exactly, supported yeah. Game Boy Advance. So it's actually funny. Their... The hardware is still in. Uh, just a just a fun anecdote. Uh, when you play a Game Boy game on your 3DS, you're only sort of emulating it because there's enough DS hardware in a 3DS to play DS games. There's enough Game Boy Advance hardware in a DS to play Game Boy Advance games, and there's enough Game Boy hardware in a Game Boy Advance to play Game Boy games. So yep. you're not totally emulating. There are like small bits and pieces that have to be emulated, but you're mostly running that game natively. Yeah, and I I feel like I don't know. Like the precedent is there for both handheld and uh, console Nintendo games, right? Yeah. So like I feel like the same will be true for the Switch, except for the Switch. It, the Switch is like one of Nintendo's like most recent zero backwards compatibility it might as well be backwards compatible with the wii u considering well yeah how many of the games reported but yeah but like you can't take wii u games and put them in your switch but yeah like i i I don't know like i have reasonable confidence that the next nintendo console will support switch games yeah because i don't not after that and i do i do firmly like 100 percent now i'm confident that microsoft's next two consoles will support all xbox games across the entire family all generations and i'm reasonably confident sony's will too going forward so if it takes any effort at all i don't think sony will (laughs) if it takes the smallest i don't like okay so they did do per game testing just like microsoft did for ps4 to ps5 compatibility yeah. So I think, you know, that's the maximum level of effort they're willing to expend on that. And, and I think I, they'll only do that one generation back. Like Yeah. I mean, we'll see. That would be that would be devastating to me if I lost my PS4 catalog cuz that is like hundreds of games at this point. I so. just I, if Jim Ryan is still in charge, I can't see them allocating anything to two generations yeah, man, ago. Like, he'll be looking at the I Last of Us Part 2 and thinking it's uglier than Homemade Sin. See, okay. I <laughs> in, I, in I don't years. like, you know, I don't like putting people down but like jim ryan is really sort of like i i'm not a fan of where he's taking sony like i i will just say that you know yeah and and it's 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 tough because like there are some decisions being made at sony that are i think unequivocally good decisions like i because i think like before jim ryan i i don't think the whole like first party sony games on pc initiative was a thing right yeah and i do appreciate that so i i think that's one of the few positives I can attribute to him 
But aside from that, like him, the way he's, I, I guess my problem with him or rather his, his beliefs is the way he speaks about games really tells me he doesn't quote unquote get it. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Do you guys understand what I'm trying to say? Oh yeah, yeah no, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I think, you know, like this is going to sound so cheesy, but he sees games as products more than like, you know, like art. And, uh, and I guess on some level that makes sense, right? He's the head of a business, but you know, like it sucks when you see people like, it seems like Phil Spencer does see them as both. Mm-hmm. So he gets it. So I don't know. Yeah. Even if he doesn't see them as art, he respects that everyone else does. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. At the very least he does that. Right. Yeah. I can't, you know, I don't know a ton about Phil Spencer, but he seems to, like, respect the medium. At least, you know, his public persona, you know, see, it seems like he, he gets what the people want, so. Yeah. Yeah. Who, yeah. And that's what's Yeah, important. I mean, I definitely, if I, if I could, if I could choose who was in the lead right now, it would be Xbox. <laughs> because yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, would want to reward their, uh, their consumer-friendly practices. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the idea of momentum, I feel like xbox has a lot of forward momentum right now and i think sony's has slowed down considerably so we'll see if that actually translates into anything but or if it's just like the weird headcanon i have right now i don't know well, xbox is in a really good place because the cloud service is their race to lose no one else has anything even close to what they have going on in that space yeah i mean nintendo nintendo will i don't know like unless they partner with amazon or something crazy they'll never even get close to winning that race yeah and, and amazon doesn't have yeah amazon's not going to win that race i don't think stadia's already given up i don't know like i think amazon is still pretty serious about breaking into gaming and i i know like i don't know but i think both Apple and Amazon are looking at ways to make big waves in the gaming industry. And whether that means buying someone like big or like, you know, maybe making their own hardware, who knows? But I, I do think they're trying to keep an eye on gaming and trying well, to, Apple's already trying pretty to figure strong out. in the gaming space with Apple arcade. The, right. Uh, right. Like it's basically a game pastel service on iPhone. And if I had an iPhone, I would absolutely be paying for Apple arcade. Yeah. But I, I think, Apple, you know, I think Apple wants to break in more into like the AAA space, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe. But I think I mean, that's there, there are probably. some tr- there are some like super quality games on Apple Arcade. I wouldn't sleep on it if you have an iPhone, but I yeah. don't, and we'll never have an app. I will never buy an Apple product. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I will either. But yeah, we're seeing in the AAA space companies who are they're going overly corporate. Like too big to fail is now a concept. Yeah, I mean, you just see, see Amazon. I still like, disagree yeah. with that. I sorry, I, I just wanted to get that in. Like, I really don't think any of the big three companies right now are too big to fail. I think PlayStation has way too much name recognition. I mean, they could fail eventually. But okay, like, I, I guess we have to define fail. Like, I don't think any of them will go out of business. You know, like I don't think that'll happen. But I, I do don't think, think it's possible. that it is possible for someone to pass up Sony in the next ten years as the as the dominant console. Okay, yeah. So I think i disagree with that but yeah there's just too much name recognition you know people think of people think of fortnite on their playstation you know like yeah i think all these decisions really came to a head in the ps4 generation like all these associations people make with video games are made with playstation now because of that generation yeah so like yeah when, when when like when you see the dumb meme on twitter about somebody complaining about their so it's not an Xbox. It's never an Xbox. It's always their PlayStation. When you, 
But, you know, when somebody who's new to gaming, they're thinking, and they're like, man, I, you know, I want to get in on this Fortnite craze. They think, you know, I should go pick up a PlayStation. When I tell my friends that have, like, other than the PC gamers, like, when I tell my friends, even the ones that were, like, huge into the Xbox 360 environment and stuff, that, like, like for instance, Psychonauts, which used to be multi-platform, Psychonauts 2 is going to be an Xbox exclu- NPC exclusive. They say, oh, that's a bummer, because the idea of buying an Xbox does not even enter, like, their mind. <laughs> That's just God, not gonna you know, happen. Like, you know, this is so wild that like that can all be attributed to that horrendous E3. Yep. You know the one I'm referring to. Like yep. that had Matrix, ripples. Yep. That had ramifications that Xbox could never have even fathomed at the time. Yeah. Just wild to me. But you know, like so okay, so my counter argument to all that is Game Pass is momentum, man. Like, there's so many like Game Pass subscribers, the number keeps going up and up and up. And, like, eventually, when Microsoft gets to the point, you know, they're still acquiring first-party studios, the first-party studios they do have are working on games, I think Microsoft eventually wants to get to the point where they can release maybe a game or two of considerable quality every month for free on Game Pass. Like, I think that's their end game, right? Yeah, and when I, they I agree, get to that and point, they're getting there. Yeah, and but, when they and get and to that point... I think Game Pass is going to make them a ton of money, but I, my counterpoint is that almost everyone I know that has Game Pass... I only know a single person, no, sorry, two people that play Game Pass on an actual Xbox. It's all PC. Like, I, I, I haven't yeah, seen I the mean, numbers, I, obviously. I don't know. Like, I would I, be surprised if there are more Xbox Game Pass PC subscribers than Xbox Game Pass subscribers. Yeah, I would be very interested in those numbers. Yeah, and I don't know. Just just a, from my experience, I don't know if it's a good idea to ever fully believe your anecdotal. Oh, yeah, evidence. no, it's, it's definitely but, not. Because I, yeah. I only know. Every every single person I know that has an Xbox has Game Pass. But yeah, I mean, that's like, two unless, people. you know, like, unless, you know, it just doesn't make sense to have an Xbox and not have Game Pass unless you're only, like, buying maybe a game or two a year, right? Yeah. So, yeah, because it's like, it, it comes out, even if you're paying full price, which nobody is, it's like $120 a year. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, like, uh, you know, there's also rumbling, swirling around of Sony working on a countermeasure to Game Pass, so... I don't know. Like it's 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 uh I always find the industry so, something like fascinating to study. Like the moves like these big companies make always intrigue me cuz they have huge ramifications on the way we play games and just the industry at large. Yeah. I I just think Sony values their games too much to put yeah, it in I, Game Pass. Yeah, like, I don't if that makes see sense. them like I think maybe they would like do a game pass for older for first party games that are maybe over a year or two old, maybe. Yeah. But that's not competitive with Xbox game pass. Not yeah. really. Well, it would be for me. I'd probably, you know, wait until the end of the gen, pick up, pick up a cheap PlayStation and uh, <laughs> play through all the classics for a month and then sell all of that. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, like I said, you know, like to me, I I want Sony to do well. Like Sony is my favorite of the big three. Like they make the games I resonate with the most. But lately they've been making decisions that really make me sort of turn my head to them. You know, like, yeah, it's definitely I don't not like the that. same. It's not the same feeling I had with Don Matrick. It's certainly not nearly as bad. Yeah, it's not nearly as bad. Like nothing will ever the, be as similar bad feeling. Like when yeah. when that happened, I wanted Xbox to fail. And when PlayStation does things like this, I want them to fail. Yeah. I, I will say that, like, it seems like, you know, that was the big mistake. Like, I think forever in all of gaming history, we could always refer to that Xbox presentation as the big mistake, right? Yeah. 
but Sony has been making, I, in my mind, at least, you know, like so many people will probably disagree with this, but these decisions Sony have, have been making lately are little mistakes, right? And like none of them compared to the big mistake, but when you keep making little mistakes, eventually it'll have an impact, I think. So be interesting to see if anything comes of those mistakes. Yeah. Okay. I think I've said my piece on that. Do you guys have anything else to say? Uh, no, Not I don't really. think so. Okay, because I want to talk about what I've been playing, because I've been playing a lot. So because uh, I haven't played anything. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So, okay, I, I mentioned Disco Elysium at the beginning, and I'll get to that, but the first game I want to mention that I've been playing is Valorant. So this is another uh, example. Because you you're a PC boy now. Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been playing PC games lately. Yeah. yeah. Would have thunk it, you know? Okay, but, you know, okay, so this, the, what I'm about to say is just going to make you roll your eyes. So, I've been playing Valorant with a controller. Oh my god. Oh, no. <laughs> it doesn't no. have gyro? And Valorant does not support controllers. Wait, wait, Amit, do you have gyro on? I actually do. I tried turning okay. gyro on. Uh, at at first, I didn't. Gy- at first, I didn't. Yeah, okay. A controller with gyro is not significantly worse than a mouse. Dude, I don't know about that. Like, it's just... I don't know. It takes I feel a long like time I, to I feel like I have Parkinson's disease or something when I'm playing this game with gyro. Why are you not using a mouse and keyboard? Dude, I will not use a mouse and keyboard. That's just one step too far for me. Okay, let me, let me take a step back. The mouse doesn't bother me so much as the keyboard. Like, I just can't stand the idea of using a keyboard for video game inputs. Feels dirty. You're I know t- I'm you're t- talking t- blasphemy right now. I, I'm weird. Blasphemy. Yeah, I know. But um, yeah. So I've been playing Valorant <laughs> with the controller. Uh, it does not of- officially support controllers, so I installed You're a third party. Are you playing alone or are you playing with friends? I'm playing with friends. They must hate you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they keep asking me to play. Like, I'm not barging <laughs> in on their play sessions. But uh, yeah, yeah. I go like three and thirty every game. It's like <laughs> I'm really bad. But it's fun, you know. I I, yeah, I like it. Game. But okay, so let me let me finish that thought. So I've been playing with a controller, uh, not officially supported. I installed a third-party program to map all my controller inputs to mouse and keyboard inputs. So that's oh. running in the background while I play Valorant. Why? Why did you? You should have just used Steam Big Picture. Uh, it's not on Steam. Valorant's on. I Steam. know, but you can run game. You can run any game through Steam and use Steam Big Picture. And uh, yeah. native native DualShock Four support and everything, or I think it supports the uh, what's DualSense as well DualSense. now. Yeah, so I was playing with DualSense. I was using ReWS uh, ASD. I don't know if you guys have heard of that program. Yeah, I mean, if if it's working for you, fine. But yeah. uh, I imagine you'd have a more positive experience. Uh, no, I mean like Valorant. So so the issue with Valorant is like it's not made for controller slash console play at all, right? Like no. there's no aim assist. No, how do you so. do the shop? How do you like? Oh, um, I mean, I just, I just do like the 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 right stick on the controller works yeah, as a mouse. So yeah, God, that sounds <laughs> horrible. I know it's 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 highly degenerate and you know extremely stupid, but that's yeah. the way I I do things. But uh, yeah, yeah. So aside from like the input, like the game is fun. Like it's really good. It has so much depth. Like I can barely wrap my head around it. And I guess this is another example of a game of a genre like I've never really tried. Like I never got into those hyper competitive like FPS games like CS:GO. 
but this is absolutely one of those games, right? It's, I was going like, CSGO and Valorant are like the only two I would put in that category. Maybe Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, maybe Rainbow Six. So, yeah, so Valorant, Valorant is like if CSGO and Overwatch had a baby. That's how I, I would actually explain. good. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it's very much a skill-based shooter with, like, hero abilities, but the hero abilities are so, I think, understated to where, like, it really is just using those to supplement your FPS Yeah, it, it's like Apex Legends level hero abilities, kind of. I would like say, it. like, I don't know, I feel like Apexes are even more extreme than Valorants. Valorants are very, like, they, it's very, it's like either, you know, make a wall or, like, you stun. or. I don't like, know, you know. Phoenix's, I mean, Phoenix's ultimate is literally just be able to die and come back. That's pretty strong. Yeah, like, while, while it's active, yeah. Yeah. But, like, you die in, like, a shot to the head, you know? Like, you it's die not in the like, same number of shots, yeah. I mean, you yeah. don't get any weaker or stronger, but yeah. But, yeah, like, like I mentioned, I'm extremely bad at the game. Uh, but for some reason, my friends still keep asking me to play. Whatever could be doing that. <laughs> yeah, who yeah. knows? I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll improve with if I, if I go. So, okay, let me, let me throw this at you, because it may not have crossed your mind. But why not a hybrid? Why not use a mouse to aim and your controller to move? How would that even work? What do you mean, how would it work? You hold the controller and you use the stick to walk like, around. What about the abilities and stuff? Like, what would I? What do I press? D-pad, you would have the D-pad and you would have the uh, uh, L1 and or uh, yeah, L1 and L2. Yeah, I don't know about that. Just click in the stick. I mean, you're not losing that many buttons, especially I don't, if you just, have a gaming mouse. It just feels that just sounds extremely awkward to me. I don't know. But, so uh, does playing Valorant with a controller, Ahmed. Hey, people do it. I looked it up. I googled it. There's dozens of us. <laughs> I'm not sure there are. <laughs> I would believe I would believe there are ten, but a dozen is too many. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So like, yeah, I get the opponents like call me expletives every <laughs> game because I'm really bad. And yeah. uh, and At least uh, it's the opponents doing it. Not yeah, no, team. I mean like my team is generally pretty friendly to me. Yeah. I feel bad though. Like I tell them, like, hey, if you want to like play ranked or something, I'll leave. And they're like, no, no, you should stay. I'm like, but why? But <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've been playing Valorant, and uh, it's quite fun. And I have been getting better, but I'm still extremely bad, just like comically bad. No, but really, if you have gyro, you're not at that big of a disadvantage. <laughs> I uh, I, I overstate it, but uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I just have to get used to gyro because like this gyro first, takes a long time to get used to. But so would a mouse for you. Yeah. So this is my first experience with gyro. I've never if, used if you gyro. gyro like, if you choose gyro and you choose to get good at it over choosing mouse and choosing to get good at it, like, th- those are both probably equally large walls for you to overcome. Yeah. Other than the fact that, like, a mouse, you, you have some, you know, you've used a mouse before for <laughs> something. Just not precision. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen people play with gyro. I think there are pros that play uh, controller there's a and gyro. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few. And, but, yeah, uh, so... People, people have done tests in like aim labs and stuff, and the uh, the difference between gyro and mouse could easily be attributed to lack of experience with the gyro in most cases. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. I I knew like theoretically gyro was always like semi competitive and certainly better than just stick and controller, but I didn't know how close it was. It, in, it's very close to mouse. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, it actually really upsets me that the Xbox Series X doesn't have a gyro mm-hmm. in the uh, controller. I think that that I think they've seriously handicapped handicapped themselves with that. Yeah, I mean, like, so may, this might just be my lack of experience with gyro coming out, but like, 
do people really even like like does the the common gamer i guess like even know about gyro aiming like is that even a thing people do nintendo gamers do yeah well yeah uh, there, there was a huge um push to get gyro added to fortnite when it came out on switch people were very upset that it wasn't there and it got added later oh it did get added that's cool yeah yeah so i don't know like i think i'm gonna keep sticking with controller and just getting better at gyro yeah i, I yeah but, if you're uh, using the gyro there's no good reason not to but yeah it's very it's very difficult like valorant is a it, it's a very very good game it's an extremely competitive game <laughs> like you can't not be competitive and play this or i mean you could and, uh, yeah, yeah i was gonna like, say that's not true i do it but uh, <laughs> and just be like terrible like i am but <clears throat> yeah well, I don't do too bad. I, I'm usually not. I'm usually middle of the road for my team. Uh, I think, but I I've play been, with the worst I, of the worst. I've been last every time I played, except for once. I was like fourth mm-hmm. out of five. So sometimes know. you get like sometimes you'll be playing a really bad game, and then suddenly get a full team wipe. Like you'll get your own ace, and you'll just be you'll, like your mind will be blown, and you'll just like be totally useless the rest of the game because you're just fried from that one power play yeah no it's a very momentum based game you know like and it's it's strategic in that like i've been learning things like you know like if we do bad the first round like often my teammates will be like okay save your money so we can get like the best guns on the third round and then really start coming back so yeah the strategy to it's really interesting there's so many layers to this game and i just i i really respect it from like just you know the perspective of just how much is going on at any given time in that game and and if you get like a a couple wins in a row you can seriously steamroll because you can like get the money so that even if you do die you can get like the best guns again and you can yeah. like buy guns for your teammates do you, do yeah, you have have your teammates been doing that and stuff yeah 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 we've we've bought things for each other and yeah, yeah it's, it's no it, it's certainly it's very momentum based uh it's it's kind of it's it's almost like a like a sport in that sense you know like once one team has the momentum, it can be very difficult to get it back. Yeah. Yeah, but it's very smart that they have you, like... Like, they take a hard break in the middle of a round, you know? In the and middle I've, of I've a seen some nasty match, comebacks. Yeah, in the middle of a match, sorry. Yeah. Where you uh, you switch sides, and I've seen some nasty comebacks. I've been... Um, I've been down... Uh, what is it, 13 to win? I've been yes. down 11 and come back to, like, 10 points before. I, but, I didn't win that yeah, one. But, that's wild. you know... Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I I think that heartbreak in it's, it's like halftime, right? Like it's it's yeah. you you reset, you switch sides, and then like it's you basically a clean up. it's a clean slate again, you know? Yeah. Also, but, uh, I am pistol rounds is my favorite round of any Valorant game because I do what, I I am better with pistols than most of the people I've played with for some reason. That's wild. I mean, like it. Yeah. I feel like it takes more skill to use a pistol, right? Yeah, but for some reason I have that. I'm very good with pistols, and then once people have actually good guns, I can't compete anymore. <laughs> huh. Maybe you're just buying the wrong guns. Maybe. Yeah, I uh, I definitely never found my loadout in Valorant. I uh, I don't know the names of any of the guns because me and my friends had like stupid nicknames for them. So I'm trying to sit here and remember what they were called. There was like a a ma- uh, a big machine gun that my my buddy Antonio Odin? always gets, and he cleans up with it. Odin's like the big yeah, it's the Odin. machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was like an equivalent to an op that he liked to get to. I forget what yeah, it was called. Right. The operator. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I remember that it sounded like op. <laughs> which is very intentional, yeah, and, I'm sure. And, and, and Valorant also has that sort of like skin based economy that that CSGO has as well, I think. Yeah. 
but like i can't be bothered with any of that like all my teammates have all these like crazy skins and like death animations and like gun skins and all this stuff and i'm just like have all the plain stuff like no emblem you know yeah but yeah i i know mike i know you were super into valorant for a while you still might be like what what are your thoughts on all this i haven't played valorant in so long that i i just kind of tuned out yeah, I heard the word Valor and I'm like, ah, oh, time to tune out. Yeah, I don't really? even have yeah, it installed I, on my new PC because I you, just you were you were like super into it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's all yeah, we're getting. I, yeah, my, that's, my, that's all we're getting. I'm my so friends who play Valor are super sweaty, and I can't. Oh yeah, dude, my friends are disgustingly sweaty, but somehow they still want me to play. I don't I don't get it. It's a it's a paradox. They want you to get a match made with with worse players so that they can uh clean up i mean i mean not really like we play unranked whenever i play like they play skill based matchmaking i'm pretty sure yeah but like i mean what's the point i guess is what i'm saying yeah well sometimes it's uh, nice to just dunk on people (laughs) yeah maybe i mean we still lose a lot of the games i play in so yeah yeah but you know despite being bad like i still enjoyed quite a bit so yeah that's good okay so do you want uh, somebody else to take a turn? or? Yeah, do you want to take a turn? I, I have, like, two more games. Yeah, I, I'm going to talk very briefly about uh, two two games here. I, I want to say, I've been playing Apex Legends still. Found my hero, or my legend, or whatever they're called in that game. Uh, I love playing as Horizon. Super fun character. Found my loadout, which is a, uh, a longbow and a spitfire. And uh, finally, finally got a win uh, two days ago. And I... This does not. I'm not a very excitable person. I imagine neither of you have ever heard me yell, but I I actually like stood up and slammed my chair back and shouted. I was so excited <laughs> when I got the win. Yeah, I mean, like these competitive games can have that effect on you. Like me and my buddy Tyler can. just we lost our minds. We were so excited. I terrified my cat and she sprinted up the stairs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I had just gone total radio silence because uh, my my buddy died. And it was me against two people. Uh, he he'd weakened one of them, and yeah, I, I was able to whittle them down. And it was just a, a masterclass, really. I I take I take full credit. Got got kill leader that round. I had like nine kills or something crazy. It was bananas. And then yeah. the other one is Factorio. Uh, Factorio, I I have started over again because I I am pretty addicted to it. I uh, started playing the space exploration mod which I expected to just kind of add stuff onto the end. But uh, it says you have to start a new save file to get the full experience, so I did, because I kind of wanted to do that anyway. And it changes and vastly complicates the recipes of every single thing in the game. So, like... Okay, so I always get these two confused. Have you been playing... Factorio is 2D. Okay, so you've been playing Factorio? Yes. And before you were playing Satisfactory? Satisfactory I played a long time ago. Okay, so the game you've been playing lately is Factorio. Yes, I played Factorio. Okay. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I beat it, uh, Vanilla. And now I'm playing a mod for it called Space Exploration. Gotcha, okay. And the Space Exploration mod, the- theoretically it adds other planets and like space stations and stuff you can build. Right now it's just made the actual progression of the game way more complicated for me. And I'm really enjoying it. Um, my-, my base is overrun with uh, biters right now and I need to drive them off. But I'm not like at a point where I find that impossible. Um, I do really, this is not a knock against my friend at all, but I seriously regret, uh, playing my first time through Factorio with someone who had played it before. 
I think it really took away the uh, the thrill of learning and like building really terrible unoptimized factories and then realizing how terrible they were and doing better. I really didn't get to experience yeah. that because and, and I wouldn't have gotten to experience it to a huge extent because I did have my satisfactory knowledge going in. But uh, definitely. I, I, and I can't I can't blame my friend at all because he's like desperate for somebody to play this game with. But I, I think I would have had a better time playing it single player or with people who'd never played before. Or if yeah, you just, so maybe you know, maybe I just forgot, but I didn't even know this game was uh, multiplayer. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. And uh, the multiplayer is kind of weirdly implemented. Like, I don't think it's really balanced around multiplayer. It's literally just the same game, but with more people running around. And it's really fun. And totally works like that. And, uh, you know, I think there's some cool stuff you can do by having a bunch of people running around working on different things. You know, uh, there's, like, room for specialization. Like, you know, Ty was really good at trains, and I'm still not so great at trains. And if we were going to play together again, I would probably have him do the trains this time because he, he was good at that. But then there was stuff that I think I was or I wasn't at the time. But there's some things that I think I have a better handle on, like. Uh, uh, we, we don't agree on how to do a core structure of a factory, really. There was some clashing on that, and uh, I would try to dominate that, I think, next time. I like you to do said, a main. What? Sorry. I was just going to say, you, you said Factorio is all 2D, right? Factorio is 2D, yeah. Satisfactory is the one that is 3D. Okay. Satisfactory just got a big update, too. So, so I don't think we've ever, like, I know we've played Satisfa- or, yeah, Satisfactory before on the show, but I don't think we ever played Factorio. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We could do it on uh, Game Talk Plays or something. We could do a, a playthrough with the three of us. Yeah, we, but... we keep mentioning Game Talk Plays, but, like, it doesn't exist yet. No. <laughs> no, and, uh, I, you know. Oh, with it, with the you know, I got that vaccine flowing through my veins. I don't know about you guys, but I'm gonna be a little less free. Uh, yeah, I got my shot weeks. like yesterday. Yeah, I got it yesterday, and after two weeks, I'm I'm ready to rumble. Yeah, I'm gonna be going into Charleston and visiting my family, which I haven't gotten to do in a year. Oh wow, yeah. So, but yeah, those are those are the games I've been playing. Just kind of rushed through them because I've already talked about both of them on the show. Okay, I got two more, Mike. Have, do you have anything? Uh, I got back into uh, BattleTech, which God, that game's hard. BattleTech. BattleTech. It's Mech Warrior turn-based tactics game. Mech Warrior turn-based tactics. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. So. I like mechs. Game's really hard. I the, the tutorial mission. I lost two people. Like lost, lost. Like yeah, they, permanently. Yeah, permadeath. They're permanently so this sounds, dead for my This sounds like uh, Fire Emblem with robots. I got too cocky and uh, lost two two entire mechs, and I'm playing on normal. I'm not playing on a hard difficulty. Yeah. It's, uh, you if you get careless, unlike XCOM, if you get careless, you're you're gonna pay for it. I, I feel a lot of it. Both you have never played it. A lot of it is very very similar to XCOM, except mechs have parts. So say if you blow the arm off a mech. Its arm's gone. It loses whatever attached to that. Or if you knock out the torso, the entire mech dies. But you get less salvage. Which it's hmm. neat. So is it like a strategy game, or do you yeah. are you like actively controlling you the are, mechs as you fight? It's, it's exactly like XCOM. Imagine XCOM okay, with yeah. big burly mechs. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. That sounds really good. It's really fun. 
What's it called? Mech? Uh, Battletech. Battletech. Okay, I'm going to have to mute my mic so I can type that. But it's it's a solid game. Good art style. Great art style. It's it's not it's not hard to do mechs. Is it like Japanese style mechs or like Western style mechs? Western style mechs. It's based okay. off of BattleTech slash Mech Warrior tabletop. So they're very they're very realistic looking mechs. Like they don't have big shoulder plates or whatever. Some of them they're are not Gundams. Are just, yeah, yeah they're, they're not. not. Yeah. They're a very realistic view of mechs. Which, it works for the game. Yeah, it looks really fun. Oh, it's a really fun game. I, well, I think Ruth. I talked about it on the show previously. Like, Yeah, maybe a long time ago, because I don't really remember this. I think it yeah. looks. Yeah, I don't remember you ever talking about it. But I went to play it at the time. My computer wasn't beefy enough to actually play a game. So now that I actually have a beefy computer, I've been going back and revisiting it. And nice. I'm glad I waited. Cool, cool. You got anything else? Uh, I also started playing Pacer. Pacer? Yes, and I've I discovered and I like really like anti grav racers like last year, or so, and Pacer just fills that itch along with Red, uh, red Out. Mm, red Out's fun. So is Pacer like a arcade racer? It's it's very it's very similar to Wipeout, although I've never I've heard it compared to Wipeout, but I've never played a Wipeout game. Okay. It's it's very much an arcade anti-grav racer. It's focused on being fast and uh, combat. You get guns. Why not? Combat racing is cool. Like combat racing was a lot of it's a lot of fun, but I'm finding the early game way too easy. Which I know it sounds like a bad complaint, but I just think it's too easy. Like I'm winning, getting first. Can you? Is there is there no like difficulty option? There is, but I haven't unlocked it yet, so maybe it'll get harder. Mm, okay. Maybe, but right now, getting first is super easy. And I'm not great at anti-crab racers. Yeah, I imagine that could get disorienting pretty quickly. Nah. They usually, usually anti-crab racers will make the tracks large enough to, even though you're going at, like, super speeds... You're not that disoriented. I yeah, so like I imagine, out, like half the time you're like on like the side of the track or even like on the roof of the track or something. Is that they don't, okay. they don't do that in anti grab racers? Maybe Redout does that, but I don't think I've seen that in Pacer yet. Like Redout, Redout's very much designed off of the old school. You're going really fast. Feel Pacer feels more like like a traditional racing game. Gotcha. Okay. Which it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I think I enjoyed Red Out more. So is this one also in VR? I know Red Out was. No, it's not in VR. Red okay. Out in VR is a uh, a whole other trip that I don't want to experience ever again. <laughs> but that's that's all I have to say. Pacer, I haven't played it that much. So yeah. Whoever, whoever has another game to talk about, can go ahead and talk about it because I think I have one more. Uh, yeah. So I'll I'll go next. You know, it's just really interesting. I saw, I know, like based off the. Earlier topics in the show, like I saw like an article pop up on my on my phone. PlayStation boss Jim Ryan needs to create a better narrative, and I get yeah, that's exactly like the topic of the show, basically, right? Like that's exactly what I feel. Like he needs to create a better narrative for Sony. 
And yeah. uh, that, that just tells me that I'm not the only one thinking that. So, um, okay. So, uh, I've, uh, my second game out of three that I want to talk about is this tiny little indie game I've been playing called Dwarf Romantic. <laughs> I'm probably mispronouncing that, but, uh, that's the best my American brain can do. Um, so this, this, this little game, it's a very Zen game. And it's basically like a city business, city building puzzle game, right? So like you build, uh, like this idyllic like farmland, village, forests, lakes, rivers, like this this landscape out, and you build it out like by matching hexes, right? So you start out with like an empty board, you plunk down a hex that could contain like you know either plains or forests or village or river or any combination of those things together. And the idea is you put hexes next to each other and you try to match like things. So like if you have a you know forest on the left side of your hex, you place a hex to the right of it, preferably with forest on the right part of that hex. So you create like these landscapes and you get like multipliers and stuff, and eventually like you build out like this this big, you know, beautiful looking uh uh landscape. And uh it's really sort of chill and fun. Sounds chill and fun. Sounds yeah. chill and fun. <laughs> uh, I I want to name the studio because I know they're small. So let me bear with me while I look this up. Uh, Dwarf Romantic, Romantique probably. Tucana Interactive, who yeah four game design students from Berlin, Germany. Okay, so yeah, if any of that sounded appealing, definitely go check it out. I think it was only like nine bucks. So, and then. Uh, yeah, Mike, do you do you have something else? Yeah, I do. Uh, I've finally gotten into proper VR games, and I've been playing Blade and Sorcery. And let me mm. tell you, no other game makes me feel like a psychopath like Blade and Sorcery. <laughs> Blade just, and Sorcery. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's physics based combat with swords and whatever, or whatever you want to mod in. Like I think I modded in a lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, but. It just feels so visceral. I love playing it. Like, I'll come out of VR all sweaty and sore. <laughs> yeah. I'm just swatting things. Yeah, yeah that's that was what, my experience what, with Beat Saber. I mean, that's my experience. Yeah, like, a lot of, like, the more active VR games, they really got to solve, like, the the sweat problem. Oh, yeah. My, I mean, I don't, I, don't know if they can though. Yeah, it's not a solvable problem. You work up <laughs> yeah. the sweat because it's an active game. That's like playing yeah. football to solve the sweat problem. <laughs> it's just weird because like you're confined in this little thing and it just sort of gets dank, you know? Yeah, yeah no. I mean, they need to solve a cleanliness problem, maybe. Right. I feel like my Oculus Quest is eventually going to have like a fine sweat stain on that on that yeah. Uh, cushion. Yeah, you're probably going to want to. But yeah, Blade and Sorcery, it's all physics based, so. When your sword hits something, it it hits something. Everything's modeled pretty realistically. If I stab somebody, it's going through, and it doesn't feel arbitrary. It's nice. Yeah. It's very nice. Like, there's not much I can say about it other than if you have VR or play it, just buy it. It's 20, 20 bucks, like most VR products. I'm going to have to try it. I haven't played it yet. 30 I've been noticing that a lot of VR products are like thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's an expensive uh, and they're they're typically very short, so it feels very. I believe it or not, VR is an expensive hobby, but uh, <laughs> even more so than regular <laughs> video games. 
But I don't know. I have you played Half Life, Alex, Mike? Not yet. I've been waiting on my other controller. That's the big All one. All right. That's that's the VR game. It's, as far yeah. As I ever here. since I played Half Life, Alex, I have uh, difficulty getting into other VR games just because yeah. it's kind of spoiled me. The Mario sixty four of VR. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like like playing uh playing it's a lot like playing Mario sixty four and then going to the rest of your VR library is like being stuck with Gex or something like <laughs> Gex. Yeah. Or Ball on Wonderworld. I, I don't know about that. I mean they're they're good games, they're just not <laughs> Gosh, I watched that donkey video and I just couldn't stop laughing, dude. That that just looks comically bad. Yeah. Okay, so uh, are we ready for me to give my final thoughts? Yeah. Take us home. Yeah, so I've been playing Disco Elysium. So what? this is one of those games that, uh, like, every time I wasn't playing it, I was thinking about it. You know, I'm sure we've all had those games uh, in our lives right. before. Yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, like, there's just something about this world and its characters and just i i want to be in it even though it's a very dreary and depressing place you know so <clears throat> to give you a quick synopsis without i'm going to avoid as many spoilers or let me rephrase that i will avoid all spoilers and only give you some context as to the beginning of the game so disco elysium is a detective game so you uh are an amnesiac detective you wake up in a trashed hotel room uh with no memory of who you are or you didn't even you don't even know you're a detective. You have no memory of who you are, where you are. You have no memory of anything in the world. Uh, you're basically like a blank slate. And as you wake up and sort of explore your immediate surroundings, you get all this context clues like, okay, there's been a murder. You're a detective. You have to solve it. And then the game basically opens up from there, right? So, and that's as much of the plot details I'm willing to divulge. So the core of Disco Elysium comes from just interacting with other people, right? So, and uh, the way you interact, so the gameplay is talking to people, which is which is really weird to say, but like even like the stats you have all feed into whether you can like talk to certain people in different ways. And let me ex- expand on that a little bit. So when Disco Elysium starts, you don't get to create your character. It's very much the story of this man who doesn't even remember his own name. You have to discover your own name throughout the process of the game. But what you can configure for this character are his four primary stats. So there are four stats in this game. Intellect, Psyche, Physique, and Motorics. And those four stats are like hand-eye coordination. Oh, like a dexterity team. sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I believe this game was made by an Estonian studio, hmm. which is which is really cool. But, um, but yeah, anyway, so Disco Elysium... You have these you have these four stats, intellect, psyche, physique, and motorics, and each of those four stats is subdivided into six skills. So there's a total of twenty-four skills in the game. Uh, and these skills basically constitute your interactions with the world and your inner thoughts. Right? So like obviously like skills like reaction speed and stuff like that, like the checks for those in the world will be obvious, right? Like if you can react fast enough to something, you can react to it, and that will potentially change the the next thing that happens in the game. 
But like what, what the more interesting thing is the more cerebral skills like empathy, logic, and like really out there things like something called like Inland Empire and Shivers, which is like how in tune you are with the city and stuff like that. So these skills constitute your thoughts and your thoughts are constantly playing out as you're having conversations with people. So you'll talk to people and then if you're a certain one of your skills is high enough, that thought will present itself and sort of color how you guide the conversation. So it's very much like you can play as like a completely stupid person with like zero intellect and just bumble your way through the world if you want to play that way. Or you can pick, you know, like play someone with super high intellect and psyche, you know, so super high, like emotional and rational intelligence, but very low physique and motoric. So you're like weak and like maybe you can't pass some of the physical checks. Very relatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guess guess which one I played as. Uh, but um, but yeah. So like, it, it's fascinating to me. Like, th- this character has 24 different, basically philosophies slash thoughts running through his, his head at any given time, and What's really cool is like some of them contradict each other, right? Like some of them like, and all of this is voiced, by the way. So like text, lots of text pops up on sc- on the side of your screen, and it's voiced. And the narrator for this game is brilliant. It's like the deepest, most rumbly voice I've ever heard, and it's just hypnotic. Very noir. Uh, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, so like this uh so as you go through the world you 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 get uh as you like complete quests like get closer to solving the case solve like ancillary quests related to the case you get experience points you can dump experience points uh and skill points into these 24 skills and le- level up the skills you think are relevant so like by the end of the game i had like a really high empathy stat i had a really high inland empire stat which is like a sort of like how in tune you are with like the cosmic surroundings it's like it can get really sort of abstract and i had like a really high shivers stat which it was like how in tune i was with the city itself <laughs> so yeah very very bizarre like i've never seen stats like this in a video game before you know like it's a very sort of conceptual take on like leveling up skills and yeah, so and in addition to that, you have something called the thought cabinet, right? So as you progress through the world based off different off different things you do, you gain different thoughts, right? And like you I don't think it's possible to get all the thoughts in a single playthrough. I think by the time I finished the game, I had only collected like half the thoughts in the game. And you can only hold a certain number of thoughts at the same time. So like once you reach that cap, you have to like erase a thought and add a new thought. And these thoughts give you like different buffs in the game. But, like, primarily, like, for a story purpose, they focus on, like, you discovering, like, what kind of person you are, right? So since this character has amnesia, uh, he's basically a blank slate, so you can be whoever you want. So, like, I ended up being, like, I I think it's funny, like, I was a moralist, and I always apologized to people. So I got an achievement called, like, Sorriest Cop in the World. And uh, the game really sort of makes it pokes fun at you for whatever you end up, whatever kind of person you end up being like. So basically, the the game gave me grief for just saying sorry a lot. Yeah. But like, you can be like a communist, a socialist, a fascist. Like, you can. There's all sorts of different political ideologies you can like align yourself with in this game. And uh, yeah, and I uh, I think you know this is just talking about like 
this I, I've just been rambling on about the skills, but let me just talk about the world for a second. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but I all I'll say is that this game takes place in a fictional city called Martinez in a fictional, I think, country called Revachol, right? And what's interesting about this game, as you discover very early on, is that it's definitely, it's not set on Earth, right? It's set on, you know, whatever planet they're on, but it's not Earth, right? They have a different history, and they have different terms for certain things that exist in their world that have no real-world analog. And I know that sounds really weird, and it is, and it's extremely disorienting when you first play the game because, like, they're saying all these things like pale and isola and, like, these words that make no sense that everyone around you knows what those things are, but you don't. And you have to sort of discover what those things mean. And as you discover what those things mean, you discover the nature of the world around you and how it's really sort of bizarre and disturbing. And that was definitely one of the highlights for me. Uh, that culminated like on this completely optional side quest, uh, like just learning about the nature of the world you're playing in and how really kind of it's it it fills you with a sense of existential dread, which I guess I don't know I'm weird because like that that's really appealing to me. Um, but yeah, like just yeah, just playing through this game, experiencing its weird, bizarre, and dark world, filled with like characters who are written so so well like they're written there's no like cheesiness in this game and if it's cheesy it knows it's being cheesy and it's being cheesy on purpose right the writing in this game is very smart um more than a few times you know like i'm a native english speaker but i've like had to like dictionary.com certain words just because like the language that's used like it, it it wasn't written by a native English speaker, but they have such a weird command of the English language. They use words in certain ways I didn't know you could use them and words that I never heard of before. Huh. And I think there are over like a million words in this game, right? Like there's like an – like the game is basically just – it's writing. That's the core of this game, and yeah. that's what makes it so appealing. But yeah, like just uh, journeying through this world, discovering who I am, like very much a – journey of self-discovery and eventually you know like attempting to solve the murder like that's the core of this game and uh, i know those things sound kind of generic but like just the way disco elysium pulls it off it does it in a way that i've never really you know experienced in a video game before and like i said this was the first crpg i ever played so i think that doubly compounded on the feeling of like wonder for me because like it was a totally new experience uh, in terms of like a genre I never played before, in addition to being a really like in addition to being an extremely compelling experience in its own right. So Disco Elysium, man. Yeah, definitely uh sounds attractive to me. Yeah. Alright, yeah, I rambled long enough. So uh <laughs> I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you, Connor and Mike. You can catch us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us in any podcast service you use. And click the link in the description of this podcast and join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep. Bye, guys. Yeah. Talk to you guys later. See ya.